Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So if any of you want to hit the wall and scream out something that you wanted to hit at the time, go do it. I know you do. So you got to put thought behind your actions. Yeah. And, and then, then leave it the on the wall. I'll take a whack at it. All right, James, tell us what's on your mind, buddy. You should have looked after Graham better. I don't want to be single and 40. Oh, I don't want to cry for him. Motherfucking restraining order! Oh, Okay, who's next? Wait, I'll do one. Scumbag and cheaters! Warren with a mustache! Charles Manson's son! I called him Charles Manson. If Sandoval could just admit that he was wrong, I would seriously just like start listening to him. That's all it takes. I'm sorry. How about you hit the wall for your actions though? James Kennedy! I had to do with everybody else, but let's remember why this all happened. (laughs) Motherfucking scandal! Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. We're talking Vanderpump Rules and Summer House this week and you know i had a a revelation just a quiet moment with myself last night and it, i think just like sometimes in life we have to accept that there's just a balance with things like if one thing is good then the other thing has to be bad and that's just the way it is it's just the way the scale kind of works and i think summer house and vanderpump rules might be on a scale where we just can't exist. We're not on a timeline where these two shows can be good at the same time. And that really breaks my heart because they're, you know, they're like my children. 
But I have to admit that I do have a favorite sometimes, and the other one pisses me off. And Vanderpump is the one that's pissing me off. I took five notes for this episode, and I'm trying to figure out how. Usually, in like a really good episode, like we're talking like peak scan of all, I would take like five, six pages, right? When, when we were like combing through the details and really getting into the mess, I'm trying to think, I watched like a good 20 minutes of it thinking, I don't need to take notes on this or this or this or this. And how, Kara, how did you write five pages of notes on this? Because I got about five seconds worth of content that I really want to talk about. So let's get into it, right? Like we're at the Tahoe trip. Graham is now back. James talks about how he basically eternal sunshine, the memory of Graham Cracker away for his own sake. Right. But now he's back. He's in the car. He's strapped into the, uh, you know, the passenger seat, him and Graham. He and Allie have talked about having a dog, but Allie's like, yeah, you know, like, I would really like to make sure that we're ready. Allie's our responsible queen, right? She's the only person holding it all together and barely. And why did this man in the car being like, Graham, I've got a new house and you've got a new mom. (laughs) Sir, what the hell's going on? Over to Ariana and Katie, they're dealing with a slew of issues at something about her, including, you know, making the entrance ADA compliant and also somebody shit on the patio, you know, (laughs) things, things you do. They're not going on the Tahoe trip. Katie, like my interest, my FOMO level in missing this trip is zero. And it should have been because boring, boring. This was like the equivalent of having to watch those shows back in the day or the episodes back in the day when Sheena, not Sheena, Stassi would get in a fight with everybody on the main cast. And then she would bring like whatever people from Sir just like wanted to hang out with her, but she normally didn't. She would bring the B crew in. And these are all like technically A crew because they're all, you know, in the title card or whatever. But it was giving B team behavior. It was giving second string. It was giving... You didn't miss anything, Katie. I would have been eating that jean jacket right next to you (laughs) to get out of this. Boring. So James walks into their house with Allie, right? She's like, I've got a surprise. And Allie's like, I'm sorry, is that Graham? She's got the two cats, right? She's got Mr. Banks. He comes out to see him, to see uh, his new brother. And Allie's like, wait, 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 like, Mr. Banks has never met a dog before. Like, what's going on? Allie's a cat mom, okay? Capital C, capital, she's mother, a feline mother. And she's like, listen, I don't know if I'm ready to have the responsibility of a dog because cats are kind of, like, independent. They do their own thing. But with a dog, you know, it's like having a kid. It's like your whole life has to change, right? They take him outside. They've got this little screen door. He goes a little pee-pee. Mr. Banks is on the other side of the screen door inside the house. And, you know, he nips a little bit, Graham. But I don't think that's, like, unexpected, right? To me... They've been painting this as though Graham has been, like, cujoing people. And I think, you know, just like a jumping at a cat that you've never seen before within five minutes of meeting it is not really that, like, strange. Like, take it from me, uh, you know, and they had the screen door and, like, nothing happened. Obviously, Allie's on edge because she's heard, you know, Graham's out in these streets nipping, nipping, 
right? And, and uh, she's not happy about it. So she's also like, damn, I just got rid of Rachel. And now here's her dog. Like, what, what the hell's going on here? But she does tell James, fine, this is very tentative. As soon as he gets those choppers out, he's going right back to uh, Villa Rosa. So sit tight, sit tight. Schwartz and Tom go shopping for this trip, right? Schwartz reads out the headlines that, you know, Raquel had changed her name to Rachel. Tom's like, yeah, I knew about that. You know, it really wasn't my place to say. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't. Why? Like, we're all on the same page about this. Never mind. Um, so, because <laughs> I, I, I don't want you to, like, people coming to be a hot take about Rachel. I just think, like, yeah, I'm going to call you Rachel because you asked to be called Rachel. I will respect you, but... I just am confused about the level of drama of the name change when there was never a point where people weren't calling her Rachel. Like, her family was still calling her Rachel. She was just being publicly known as Raquel. So it wasn't really wasn't, like, that big of a transition for her. It's now, like, we're all calling her Rachel. But even... It doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway. Um, yeah, then Schwartz reads out the headline about uh, Rachel leaving the facility. And Tom's like, yeah, I, I knew that too. And then he tells Schwartz that he had texted her when he found out the messages went from green to blue, meaning her phone was back on. And he sent her a message like, oh, you know, like, I don't know if you're out yet. Just wanted you to know I'm thinking about you and I hope you're doing okay. And then he's like, you know, I didn't hear from her on my birthday. So I kind of knew that was over. <sighs> okay. When you told her to leave the facility and she was like, hey, bad man, this is a bad idea, bad man. Bad man. Oh, by the way, I know you guys are asking, why aren't you talking about this uh, lawsuit? The truth is, um, I haven't done all of my research on it, but I will be talking about it on Monday. i got to comb through the, the documents and, and form an opinion at that point. But you know what? Since I don't really want to talk about this episode anyway, should we just talk about Jackson and Brittany real quick? <laughs> because they are... They are... They are. If you guys haven't known, they're... Their show, The Valley, is coming out in, what, like three weeks or something? Over the past two weeks, people have been kind of thinking, it seems like Jax and Brittany are not together. They're, it, something's happening. Brittany kind of alluded to, you know, problems in our marriage last two, two episodes ago. And then this episode ago, last episode, she clearly was reading off the script her statement about the fact that she, the fact that she and Jax are separated. She was, I'm living in my, a new place for my mental health. And, you know, I just want you guys to respect our privacy and all this stuff. Now, why did Jax, like, three hours later was caught by the paparazzi? And this is classic Jax. Classic Couchy, where he acts like we are not privy to the things that he like he just thinks that he's smarter than us right so he's like outside he's like yeah uh you know she britney was living somewhere else for a while but like we've been living together for like he's acting like this is old news that britney moved in weeks ago that like uh like whatever my point is this is not old news this is new news this was a brand new episode that dropped literally yesterday <laughs> March 20, February 29th, and she said, we're not separated. That night, he's trying to act like he's rewritten history, like, oh, yeah, we're back together. We're not separated. We're not getting a divorce. Like, oh, like, this situation has been over a long time ago. Like, you guys, I'm just going to catch you guys up. She's back in the house. Like, no, 
everything's fine. Um, girl, the like I said, the episode just came out yesterday. She wrote the statement. It was at the very end of the episode. I know that they are not editing their own episodes. If she wanted that taken out because it was no longer relevant and they were back together, she would have just been like, take out the last two minutes because I don't want to do it. And she could have done that up to like 15 minutes before <laughs> the episode dropped. Like the turnaround time, it's not, I mean, listen, you think I'm pulling out four episodes a week and and like the turnaround's quite quick is what I'm, the point I'm making. So thanks a lot, Jags. Whatever this is, whatever this is, it's either they're trying to drum up interest for their show or this just coincidentally is happening right before their show. And maybe, you know, we're just going to talk about it because it happens to be a few weeks before our show is airing. Either way, either way, <laughs> I told y'all last week, we knew this relationship had a shelf life of like five years anyway. Oh, he also tried to say that they had been married for 10 years. Excuse me? No, that's that can't possibly be true. <laughs> that is not true. That is factually incorrect. Anyway, I guess we can go back to Vanderpump Rules. Oh, God, we got to talk about Brock and Sheena. Y'all. Y'all. They go shopping for Tahoe. Uh, Sheena's, like, looking for bathing suits, whatever. And they're talking again. Like, the storyline is Sheena's working through her OCD to allow other people to watch Summer so that she and Brock can, you know, have a, quote, more normal relationship, right? I kind of caught wind last season, or maybe two seasons ago, that the relationship between Brock and Sheena's mother seems very tense, seems very, like, he doesn't want her around, he feels like she's too involved, Sheena leans on her too much, and this has been a theme, and now it's just, like, more and more amplified because of Sheena's diagnosis. And make no mistake, I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying that this is the situation that we've got, right? So they're at the bikini shop, and Sheena, classic Sheena, you know, she's like, I'm always feeling the anxiety of leaving Summer, and I have mom guilt, you know, and on top of that, I'm going to be in the same house with Sandoval. Like, this is really going to trip my anxiety up. I'm wondering, is he going to talk to me? Is Ariana going to be upset? Like, I want to go on this trip, but these are the constant things in my head. So she tells Brock that Tori, our bisexual pink-haired queen, kissing bandit, as we're going to find out later this season, has a, like, true nanny job. That family just had a baby, so she's, like, tied up with this newborn. She can't really be watching Summer. Brad, uh, Brock says in a confessional, you know, I put all this effort into trying to find a nanny, and I finally get it to be okay for Sheena, and all of a sudden it, it falls through, and now we're back at square one. So he tells her, you know, it would just be best for her to find somebody outside of her mama to be there for them. And, you know, she's, like, not really paying attention, not because she's not hearing him, because they're in a public place. There's like one person <laughs> in this very tiny bikini shop. And she doesn't want this shit to escalate. Like she's really trying, right? So Brox is in a confessional like, you know, look, we're, we're newlyweds. And I just don't think like it, it's like a good thing to be like, let's get married and have a kid and then have the mom there every day. It's like, yeah, that's usually what happens. Also, you didn't get married first. You had the kid first. So, so that little chain of... Uh, 
life doesn't even apply to you, Brock. Anyway, so Gina tries on a bikini. And this was like, I think, the thing that really pulled on people. It was very triggering. Sheena, first of all, before she walked into that um, dressing room, asked the lady for a size extra small bathing suit, right? And then she goes out to, like, look at herself, and she looks stunning, and she grabs skin. She grabs skin. Skin that was is going to be there. Skin that she thinks is, like, a pooch, I guess. It is, like, the tiniest little piece of skin. Like, she's just grabbing... Any bit of flesh that she can put between her fingers, that's it. It's not fat. It's skin. She's like, I still have this. Like, I like the bikini, but I still have this. And she, like, grabs that little piece of flesh. Rock's looking at her like, you had a kid in there. Where are you pointing? Like, what are you talking about? This was, I I saw a lot of people being like, girl, Sheena. Like, this really broke my heart for Sheena because clearly what she's saying is not what we're saying you know and and that's very sad it's, it's very very sad like she's fucking banging that's clear and i just wish that she could see what we saw because girl had you not grabbed that piece of skin i wouldn't have thought anything of it and also even when you did i still didn't think anything of it and i'm sad that you did that it's really really unfortunate so sheena goes back to change and He's like, well, I need an explanation from you as to why we can't get a nanny outside of your mom or your family. Because, like, I just can't have your mom around for the rest of our lives. And Sheena's like, I didn't say that. You know, I'm just not going to be leaving her with some random person this trip. You are coming from this position of, oh, I want to meet somebody and then they can move into our house and stay there three days while we go on a trip. He's like, not immediately. Like, I'm saying, like, this is a year from now process, but it's not going to happen If you have one person watching Summer for, like, an hour at a time, sometimes, you know, like, we're never going to be able to build up that momentum. So Sheena's like, okay, well, as long as we're out of town, my mom's going to be watching her, you know? The poor employee is just, like, looking out the window, just checking her cuticles, like, how do I get out of here? (laughs) How do I rocket myself anywhere, anywhere else, right? And so after that, Sheena's like, listen... There isn't a reason why I don't want to have a different nanny. He's like, no, there is a reason. You're paranoid from your mom. And then he, I think what he says is that Sheena does not believe in herself as a mother, her capabilities as a mother. And then her mother, Erica, will reinforce her paranoia. And then there's like a cycle. I believe that's what he said. She doubles down. Her mom doubles down on her beliefs that she has. And so it just, like, creates this whole situation. And so Sheena's, like, getting upset. She's like, I don't know why we're arguing this story. He's like, we're not. She leaves and just, like, clearly, like, trying to take her mic off. She's like, this is so awkward. She's on the street. And he follows after her. And she's like, you know, you make this awkward. You act like everything's fine. It hasn't been fine. And she's like, you know, just don't yell at me. He's like, are you kidding me? And then, you know, like, I don't know. Basically, he's like... It, that was it. That was it. It, it was bad. I, you know, I've always been side-eyeing Brock. He's always giving opportunists. What did Charlie say in that interview that he was a um, rent-a-husband? <laughs> what does she call him? <laughs> like a, I don't know what Charlie called him on this podcast. We need Charlie back. If we had Charlie back this season, I think Charlie was fun. Well, nobody wants to have fun these days, you know? <laughs> I think 
Charlie would have been a very necessary addition and a welcome addition to this season. I think one of the worst casting mistakes in Vanderbilt history is not utilizing her more. She was great. She was great. Justice for Charlie. After that, we see a scene of Sandoval and Anne. And he's wearing, he's in his room. He's wearing a black t-shirt, the classic trademark Chris Jenner's, which are, uh, she loves a red Adidas tracksuit, like those kids from the Life Aquatic. <laughs> Not the Life Aquatic. <laughs> you know the one. Um, so he's like wearing this outfit, just a black shirt and the, and the red track pants. And he's like, you think this outfit will help, like, if I get stabbed or bloodied up or something? She's like, okay, well, it'll hide the blood. And he goes, yeah? She's like, yeah. This was the episode. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's terrible. Um, So a classic scene of Tahoe, like, you know, our classic, like, oh, oh, kiss me, make out with me. Like our our Lisa jump scare when you find out that she's horny talking an animal yet again. This time, some wolves got it. Two little pups and 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 a live adult one it appeared. And she's like, oh, oh, it's a pleasure to take pictures with. Oh, I love you. Oh, kiss me. And then she says in a confessional, my new restaurant, Wolf, is not for the faint hearted. And there's nothing shy about it. What's going to happen there, Lisa? She says, it's exactly what Tahoe needs. Sexy, masculine, and a big bad wolf. What? (laughs) Girl, if you don't just do the restaurant. Nicolaine, put up a big-ass clock and let's call it a day, okay? You don't have to pitch us. After that, Tom and Tom call Lisa in a classic, like, oh, we're in the car, two-on-one conversation. FaceTime. We haven't seen that happen since the whole dipped out situation. Oh, yeah, she dipped out of my house and, like, she was late for work. Whatever. Anyway, so she's, he's telling her, like, it was so awesome at the airport, Lisa. You have no idea. Like, I, I sat down by them. They let me sit next to them, Lisa. And Lisa's like, oh, you know, keep the good energy up. You know, you have the rest of your lives to get your point across. Let's not attack each other today. And then Tom starts crying. And Schwartz is like, let it out, man. Let it out. You know, because, like, usually people are disgusted by your essence, so, like, it must be nice, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then Sandoval starts crying in a confession. He's like, I'm sorry. He gets himself together. He's like, you know, it just felt like Sheena saying hi to me at the airport just felt like acceptance, dude. So, anyway, Sheena... Sheena says a lot of things at the same time, right? Because now they're in Tahoe... She and Brock are kind of bickering over the fact that he had, like, done... This was, like, a classic passive-aggressive. We're fighting, play-fighting, but, like, there's a real fight happening. But, like, we're just, like, kind of aggressively fighting about this thing that really doesn't matter. Brock put something pink in the washer, which fucked up his white clothes, right? And so Sheena's like, I told you. You just let me do the laundry because you don't know how to do it. (laughs) then this wouldn't be a problem, right? They're, like, having this, like, nice, nasty conversation. Really, she's pissed off, right? She's pissed off because what he said about the mama, and, but she's like, I've decided to put a pin in the conversation with Brock, but I'm also annoyed with everything that he's doing right now, so. (laughs) After that, like, I don't know, like, Tom is just sort of navigating these weird things, walking around the house, 
going in the kitchen. Talk. Brock happens to be there, and Brock's like, oh, mate, you put everybody in a really difficult situation. And, you know, Tom's like, yeah, what I did was horrible, but, you know, like, neither Raquel nor I did that out of any malicious intent, you know? But I feel like things were done towards us that were, like, very specific, malicious, intentional things. And at that point, James walks in. And Tom's like, hey, man, just want to say thanks for being nice, dude. And James is like, yeah, I know. Like, I won't just want to keep the vibes going. So he pretends like he has something to do in the other room. He's like, oh, I got to go. So James in a confessional is like, you know, it's a little too soon to be trying to connect with me. Because, you know, like, we're not cool yet. Also, he's wearing the lightning bolt necklace. You know, like, and I know that was like a thing from before. It's like his thing, right? But, you know, not anymore. Okay? Not anymore. So Brock tells Sandoval, you know, is there any advice I could give you this weekend? Is that, like, your feelings are valid, but, you know, there are a lot of hurt feelings, and we're not your enemy. We're just very hurt friends. Blah, blah, blah. Tom says in a confessional, like, I just feel like they expect me to come in and grovel at their feet and beg for forgiveness, but, like, they're failing to acknowledge the way they came after me, talking shit about me on social media, selling merch and, like, hardcore pushing these conspiracy theories on podcasts, like... This isn't just about them. This is about something we actually need to move on from together. So everybody's, like, chilling outside. Tom meets out and he's, like, thanking them for being so friendly and, you know, tells them, you know, in order to build on this very tenuous, can't-even-make-eye-contact situation we've got going, (laughs) I've invited somebody over to do, like, a guided meditation, yoga, movement, blah, blah, blah. So James says it a confessional, a meditation special. This is exactly what Sandoval would do, like Mr. Tryhard. And then he, Tom starts talking about how he was basically over the past few years a functioning alcoholic. He's been taking a drink from that. And Lala's response, was that not so interesting, confusing, perplexing to you? She's like, you don't have to worry about like saying I'm sober. Like even for me, it's a day by day thing. You don't have to make the call of your sobriety being a forever thing, right? I'm committed, but, you know, it just felt like maybe she was soft launching. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I guess I just feel like that's not what I've heard her say and to anybody with regard to their sobriety. So it's just interesting to me. So basically, like, Lala says in a, profes- in a confessional that she feels like she's hearing Sandoval's working on himself, and she thinks that's pretty admirable. Now... Last episode, or two episodes ago, however many, you were telling Lisa, like, he's still the same dude. He just said that you were a narcissist, like, five minutes ago. And now it's admirable because he's drinking Heineken Zero with you? She's like, you know, he blew up his life, and whether it's bullshit or not, who gives a fuck? We don't have to go to sleep in his mind at night. Okay, well, that's very interesting. (laughs) That's a very interesting logic and rhetoric that I think is going to come around as extremely hypocritical and probably maybe an episode or two from you, Lala, but watch this space. I guess we'll just put a pin in that. I I, I thought that was very weird. (laughs) A very weird sentiment to have given. Actually, I don't think it's weird because you know what? Personally, I feel like Lala's a friend to no one. She's sometimes as fuck and she's always like turning the wheel and you know twisting things in her favor and being mad at people for random fucking reasons and then like making them be responsible for her own shit so actually this is not surprising to me at all so uh we can put a pin in this later just for the fact that i know i'm gonna be right and i'm just gonna gloat about it in like two episodes so 
Ooh, okay, so then James says he's got a little news. We do another, like, Graham down the stairs moment. Like, he's fucking... <laughs> what is She's all that? <laughs> like, what's going on? Um, like, they should have played Kiss Me. Kiss Me. Beneath the melody. <laughs> like, what is happening? Um, Lala's like, is, is he joking? Is this a joke? What's going on? James tells them that he's going to name the dog Hippie. You know, he's got the history. It was George Michael's dog's name. He knew the dog growing up, but he never got to have a dog. Sandoval's just sitting there, right? Because Allie had said, like, oh, oh, earlier, like, it's probably going to be weird for Sandoval to see the dog. He's probably hung out with his dog a lot more (laughs) than we realized, right? So he's just kind of standing there, like, not really saying anything. But Allie asks Sandoval, like, did you know anything about this? And he's like, yeah, well, I knew, like, he attacked a couple people and, like, they tried to find a home from him. But that's the last I heard. Back in L.A., Ariana's on the phone with her designer, the lady who helped them put the furniture and stuff together for the house, right? They're going through itemizing stuff because Ariana says Tom has offered to buy her out of the house. She's coming around on that. However, she thinks like there's furniture that they purchased together and all the stuff that she purchased like herself custom pieces and stuff that she's like I don't want you to just take this entire house like I feel like I need to be compensated at the very least for the furniture because I bought a majority of it right I don't want to get taken advantage of so they're going around a house taking stock of the things and what's custom what what does she want to take and Lucinda, I know y'all have been asking this question. Why do they have that damn Lego piece up in the hallway, the picture of them? Why didn't they take it down? Lucinda tells her, I spoke to the Lego artist, and he did confirm that he could take Tom out of the, the, the piece if you want. So maybe they were just waiting for, for a, a final answer as to what they could do. Back in Tahoe, Brock apologizes to Sheena for that public flight that they, fight that they had at the bikini shop. And then Schwartz walked into the cabin that they were staying in and I guess stepped on a wasp or a bee or something. He ends up getting stung in his foot. So I don't know why this disgusted me. Because I don't like feet anyway. And then Schwartz always has his feet out and it's like, ugh, it's just like so vile to me. Because I just, man, that man just gives like, like dick cheese energy, you know, like, like he just, I just don't feel like he washes properly. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if a washcloth is being used. But anyway, um, he goes into the bathroom and he puts his foot up on the sink and he, you know, he and Tom have a whiskey. He like, like, what are you from the civil war? Like you're trying to heal a wound in the trenches, pours the whiskey over his thing and then takes a little shot for himself. And I don't like, it almost made me vomit. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. The natural reaction was like, Oh, this is disgusting. Then they go to visit the wolf construction site. It's like, There's not a thing in there but, like, you know, studs and bolts and a fucking zebra statue. Why? I don't know. Lisa tells them, do what you want. I got to find a way for you guys to film with me. So she brings some hammers and tells them, you know, if you guys want to do Rage Room before the construction really gets popping, go for it, right? So Schwartz does a little bang on the wall because he doesn't want to be single at 40 um sheena does one for her this is my fucking restraining order and then shandoval goes up and yells scumbag and cheater (laughs) and then the mallet gets stuck in the wall so he has to kind of like everybody's watching him kind of like yank it back out (laughs) 
And then he has another one. Worm with a mustache. Charles Manson's son. And Lala goes, oh, I'm the one who called him Charles Manson. <laughs> and then he goes, yeah. And then Lala, another hit for Lala. And she's like, wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on. James says in a confessional, you know, if Sandoval would just admit that he was wrong, I would seriously start listening to him because that's all it takes, just a sorry. So then Sheena goes, why don't you hit the wall for your actions, though? Why don't you do that? And then he hits it again. Just for, and it says James Kennedy. So they're like, yeah, he's yelling at all of us. He's forgetting how we got all, well, how we all got here. Why you're mad at us is because of you, right? And then... This little idiot does a little spin. He's fucking Michael Jackson and yells, motherfucking Scandival. <laughs> okay. This is horrible. I hated this episode. I hated every moment of it. So then they all go to dinner. And of course says, of course, the thing that struck me the most was Schwartzy, Paul Schwartzy talking about how he'd be single at 40. <sighs> like, are you guys... What are we doing here? Lala is like, but are you single? Because I feel like Joe fully thinks that you guys are together. Like, Schwartz, really be honest. And, like, and they're like, no, no, no. Like, he doesn't, she doesn't live with him. They're friends with benefits, but like, she doesn't live with him. And then Schwartz is like, no, I'm single. Like, I'm not stoked about it, but you know, I just don't have the emotional capacity to be in a relationship. So, like, I'm single and ready to mingle. I'm like, okay. When have you had the emotional capacity to be in a relationship? When? <laughs> Like, this is brand new information. Yeah. That's why you're not in one. That's why you're not married. Because you've never once had the emotional capacity for a long-term serious relationship. The streets are saying that he does have a girlfriend, but the girlfriend doesn't want to be publicly known or something. And she, like, doesn't. So why would you, you know. Like, if you know that this is a hard line for you, then maybe this wouldn't be the person you dated. But anyway... Anyway, this is point James gets asked by Sandoval if they can have a little one-on-one, right? And, oh no, <laughs> first of all, before this, Lisa tries to force them into a good moment. And she's like, oh, we're having a good moment like right now. James, what do you like about Sandoval? And James just goes, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and he's like, I- I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm hungry. I got to eat before I answer this. I have any sort of conversation, right? And they're like, yeah, don't do it. But James says in a confession, like, okay, this was embarrassing for me. But, like, how embarrassing was it for that? How embarrassing was that for Sandoval that I couldn't even answer the question? You know, like, that's even more embarrassing. After that, um, Brock asks Sandoval about the house. He's like, you know, I have heard to buy Ariana out. Like, I haven't spoken to her since the reunion. You know, like, I could talk to her. Like, I, you know. Whatever. Boring. I don't care. Like, we've heard this conversation e- even in 2024. I've offered to buy her out. Blah, blah, blah. So then Sandoval asked James for this one-on-one, right? And then he's like, listen, if I don't acknowledge your feelings and, like, rip this Band-Aid off, it won't happen. So he's like, I don't want to cause any problems or create hostility. Like, I just want to coexist. And James is like, I feel you. And then Sandoval says he was afraid to talk to James because it was just overwhelming for him. And James is like, well, what's an excuse for deceit and betrayal? Like, Tom says, neither of us wanted to hurt anybody. And James is like, nobody wants to hurt anybody. But you knew it would. Like, sometimes, you know, like, how is there a way that you could have done this that it wouldn't have been so fucking catastrophic? Like, 
Don't you think if you were smart enough, you could have ended things with Ariana and then tried to make things work with Raquel without blowing things up the way they did? And Sandoval's like, oh, it's so easy for people to say that. And James's like, no, but if you really wanted to walk out the door, you would just look her in the eye and say, bye-bye, and shut the fucking door. Like, it just comes down to you not being able to man up and leave your relationship, right? And then Tom's like, well, Ariana and I built our whole life together. You know, like, maybe it's easy for you, but it's not easy for me. It's like, James says, but if Rachel is what you really wanted... And Tom's like, it's not that simple. And James says, yes, it is. Like, also, do you think you're really going to be with her now that she's back? And Tom's like, I don't know. Like, I'm torn between resentment and love. What do you resent her for? (laughs) Telling the truth about your relationship for? Like, dude, come on. So James is like, well, is it worth it? Was it all worth it where you are now? Tom says, I don't know. And James is like, well, I'm sorry to hear that. So Tom says in a confessional, like, it wasn't just about being with Rachel. It was all about, like, getting out of the relationship that I knew wasn't suiting my life. Like, you didn't get out. Like, the path was not a good path. Like, but it needed to change. Nothing you're going to say is going to justify what you did. You can say all the words. It is never going to make sense. And this is not even just, like, on some I'm biased against Sandoval shit. Like, it's just factually correct. Like, nothing you're going to say about this is going to justify why you fuck somebody behind your chick's back for months that's that's gonna work with anybody that's true for anybody you know like if i did it somebody else did it it'd be all be true so nice try anyway basically james says that this is all really confusing for him because tom sandoval was supposed to be the most trustworthy person so have i ever had a real friend in my fucking life and then he says in a confessional, Tom Sandoval was the last person in Hollywood that was ever going to fuck me over. You know, like he was the one guy I really did trust with all of my might. And it just blows my mind. He was the one to backstab me like harder than anybody ever else has. So Tom's like, you know, I can't get back what I've done. And I have to accept what I did and just like basically embrace it, you know, and just be like, yo, don't ever fucking do that shit again. You fucking idiot. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So then in a confessional, Sandoval's like, I know I screwed up and I hurt, my throat hurts, and I hurt people and I hurt James. I'm taking accountability for that. No, you're not. He does say he's sorry to James and James is like, thank you. And then he's like, listen, I'm going to take this. I just miss all the good times, bro. Like, don't you? Like, didn't that break your heart? You were like a big brother to me and it's never going to be the same. And that's why I've been so angry. And that's why I say that you betrayed me. And Tom's like, we'll work through this. I promise. Like, I promise it'll get better. And they hug. And James is like, let's just get through the night. Okay? So, that's the end of Vanderpump. Let's skip on over to Summer House. visibly upset. And I'm like, what is going on? I took this. No, because I get so drunk and my memory is so bad. Lindsay was saying to me, Gabby, he's on something. He's so mean to me. I can't do this. I think he's on something. Those are my... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Let's talk about Summer House. But before we talk about the episode, we got to talk about Danielle on Watch What Happens Live. I have told this story in about three different uh, group texts already, and I'm ready to tell it again because I honestly, like, you might as well just play it in my obituary because, one, I can't believe this happened, and two, I cannot believe that Danielle would actually admit to this, okay? You guys need to watch Southern Hospitality. Y'all need to understand the full spectrum of Joe, Smokin' Joe, Joey Bottles Bradley, and if you don't, you don't understand why this is so fucking, oh, funny to me. It's hilarious, you guys. Okay, so if y'all know, I mean, you kind of should have an idea that Joe from Southern Hospitality and Danielle have been, like, kind of hooking up for the past couple months. Like, he lives in Charleston, she's in New York, so it's like, I see you when I see you. It kind of seems like most of their hookups coincide with their Bravo events. Like, they met at BravoCon. Both of them keep coming on Watch What Happens Live and being the other person's guest. So, they, you know, they're, like, making a kind of meet-cute, let's, you know, hook up, fun, flirty, sexy, fancy, free situation out of it, right? Joe Bradley, however, has been talking to Us Weekly about, like, every fucking step of their relationship in a way that I'm like, Danielle, do you not understand how embarrassing this should feel i know she doesn't that's that's the thing it's like i'm also having to come to grips with the fact that danielle's level of uh, um, the her ability to take deep deep deep-seated embarrassment is her tolerance for that is much higher than mine and thank god because mine is like low i mean i have a high tolerance for it like mine is like like real high so the fact that hers is even higher than that, it's, like, kind of a relief, but also, like, oh, my God, girl, like, stand up, because mine is, uh, my, I'm deeply unwell, babe, and I shouldn't be looking at you with empathy, you know? I, I know that about myself. We can be honest about myself to know that I shouldn't be looking sadly at you. I should not. That You're in a real bad situation if you're, you're there, babe. But anyway, she, this weird weekend happened where he was up the weekend he did an interview with us weekly he told us weekly that he had broken up with danielle then they went to watch what happens live she had no idea that this article had come out the day before nobody noticed it it's like let's say he did the interview it came out on a friday people didn't start picking up on it until saturday they were going to watch what happens live that night luann was in the you know pilot seat next to joe it was joe and luann Danielle was there. <clears throat> then it comes out on page six that Danielle, excuse me, that Joe and Luann hooked up. Joe has completely denied this. It did come up in the Southern Hospitality reunion where obviously he had fucked her. And TJ, one of the cast members, is like sitting there with a very red face, not wanting to admit that, like, obviously he hooked up with this chick. Another cast member, Will, saying, I saw a picture of Luann's house. And I haven't even met this woman. So, obviously, they fucked. Danielle tells her side of the story on Watch What Happens Live last night, you guys. Oh, my God. She says that he was there for the weekend. He shared his location with her. She goes out with some friends. She's out with the girls in the West Village. 
She's looking at Joe's location, and he's cruising on up to the Upper East Side, which, if you're not aware, it's basically, like, the opposite end of the city from where Danielle is at this point. And she texts him, it looks like you're making a mistake right now. And he somehow was able to convince her that he was not going to fuck Luann, that he was, in fact, going to hang out with some guy friends, some college friends on the Upper East Side, okay? And so he comes back to her house the next morning, still fully in denial that he fucked Luann, stayed with her at her house two more nights out. She ends up going to L.A., then finds out the truth and then breaks up with Joe. This man is diabolical, dumb, evil genius. I, how and why would you admit to this, Danielle? That man is so stupid. Like, I, I can't even express to you guys. Like, I don't really call people stupid unless I really mean it. Like, that man is genuinely dumb and he tries so hard to be a villain. And that's what makes it so funny. Like, think of Jax, but like, dumber. He's like more dumb than Jax Taylor. I'm telling you guys, get eyes on this fucking show. The fact that he was able to convince her and crash at her house, hobosexual it up for the next two days until she went off to L.A., then she found out and broke up with him. Ooh. Diva down. Diva perpetually down, Danielle. Diva down, Danielle. That's what we're going to have to call her at this point. That's what we're going to have to call her. There's nothing I can do for her, you know? You know, at this point. My sister's burned too many bridges, and there's nothing we can do for her now. And that's just the truth. So, raise your glasses for Danielle. I'm, I'm with you. But I, you know, lovingly, from a distance, okay? Because <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I can't, and I won't. So let's get into the episode. We have to talk about uh, Lindsay's statement that came out this morning. And, uh, uh, well, we'll have to talk about the episode to find out why Lindsay had to make a statement this morning, won't we? Woo! Okay. Is this our first, like, official statement from a Summer House cast member on their behavior on the show? Did Luke have to do it when... I don't think he did. That, like, weird stuff with... uh, Mm, I don't think he did. I think this might be our first iOS press release from the Summer House cast. And uh, wow, what a doozy. And with that, let's get into the actual episode. Episode two of whatever the fuck season of Summer House this might be. Eight? Mm. Anyway, Amanda says, excuse me, in a confessional, because we left off last week where Paige was telling her about the conversation she had with Kyle, where Kyle was venting his frustrations about... His relationship with Amanda, the fact she's popping off at him all the time. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's just, like, scared about their future. Amanda's, like, not trying to hear it, right? Like, if you don't want to, like, if you don't want me, then don't talk to me. Go ahead and free yourself, Kyle Cook, okay? And she says in a confessional, I don't think that Kyle's projecting because I was literally born to have children. Like, it's all I've ever wanted. But the business needs to be in a place where Kyle's able to step back and actually be part of the kids' lives. He's scared out of his damn mind being, like, projecting onto me, saying, oh, it's Amanda who's not ready when it's actually him. You know, like, oh, I'm cool, I'm ready, but no, it's her. So she tells Paige and Sarah, like, I don't want to hear it. I hear the shit all the time. 
Meanwhile, West Friends shows up, and um, I guess happy Black History Month for two West and all of us for bringing more uh, Black people to the summer house in a singular party <laughs> than we've seen <laughs> in the entire time that the show's been in its existence. And Sierra looks over him, at him from across the lawn and goes, I knew it. I knew it. And I knew what Sierra meant when she said that. And you know what? We're just going to keep it between us. If you know, you know. You know? And if you don't, I can't tell you. So then, you know, Gabby rented that, like, bull, shark, ride a bull, but it's actually a shark thing. She's, like, riding that thing for a good 22 seconds before she hops off, right? So Wes is trying to impress her. He goes next, and he's got all this experience, right? He's got that rancher daddy taught him how to ride a horse he also is like you know it's actually kind of sexy when somebody rides something so he's ready to impress sierra right he stays on that bull shark for about 2.3 seconds before he falls off and he's like no no wait hold on i, I want to go again sierra's roasting him from the sidelines telling him like you know i rubbed my whole body in almond oil before i rode that bull shark and i was on it for 22 seconds you should really be embarrassed and he's like i am i don't want my dad to see this i'm shook <laughs> America's sweetheart, West Wilson, everybody. Does West want to come on the podcast? DM me, babe. Danielle meets one of West's friends, JD, right? And she's telling everybody, us, this summer I'm focusing on fun and, you know, my ass got played by that guy from Below Deck in the Winter House, so I'm just trying to have fun with somebody who's not under the same roof as me, right? Then he was like, JD tells her, we're going to do a cheers. Why don't you do a cheers? She's like, new beginnings, new relationships, new partnerships, everything, everything. I'm like, okay, girl, keeping it real cool. Real, real loose, right? Hanging loose. <laughs> Sierra pulls out her RN cap because she's hanging out with Paige and uh, Jesse Solomon at this point, And she notices that he's got pectus excavatum or whatever the hell she said. You know, the, the dent, the dent that people have in their chest sometimes. That's what he calls it, right? He tells Paige, he's trying to flirt with her, I guess. Um, if I lay down, this dent gets real deep. I could put a whole 12-ounce beer in there. And Paige goes, good for you. And he goes, no, good for you. Good for me. Yeah, I hope so. So he walks away for a second, and Sierra's like, go, girl. You want to talk about how uh, homeboy's feeling you right now? Like, what's going on? And listen, Paige did nothing wrong, nothing that we saw. But I did think she was enjoying it. But you know what? Like, why can't you? Why can't you? You got one. And honestly, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches for her. Like, you, she let the, she let out the dimple, the dimple signal. All men with extremely deep dimples, come hither. I'll flirt with you. And she liked it. And I think that's fine. You know? I think it was totally fine. Let her flirt. Let women flirt 2024. Lord forgive me, whoever tweeted me the other day and said that, like, I was making, was it Cackling Hack? Shout out to you. Making that, making you think that I, wait, sorry. <laughs> that I was convincing you to like Paige. Let the record reflect, I don't. I don't. I don't. I might follow her. She's starting to creep in. But I would just like to say that officially, I, I really don't like Paige. But I do think she's, like, better this season. She's just more fun. Everybody's more fun, and I'm willing to embrace that. It's the summertime, baby. You know what I mean? Anyway, the whitest man thing happens in my entire life. Thank God I didn't recap this yesterday, and we're now in March. Because what the, what the hell, Kyle? What the hell is this? I'm sorry, but, like, I, I've never seen any shit like this in my life. 
Kyle, you know, he's always pissing in the, the lawn. It's like his thing. Fine. Okay, I've come to accept that just like I've come to accept that, you know, at any given moment, I'm going to see Sonia Morgan's nipples on, on the screen. I, I get it. Okay. I've made peace with it. But then Jesse Solomon comes over and they're peeing next to each other. And I'm like, okay, fine. Fine. Okay. Jesse goes, is this a moment where we compare dicks with each other? And Kyle goes, dude, my dick is so dope. Like, you don't even need to compare it right now. Do you want to cross streams? And then they do. And then we we have to see it. Why? Why do we have to see that? After that, they sit down. Thank God. And Kyle's like, dude, I don't want to pressure you right now. But like, y'all just, y'all probably like felt the, the iner- not the inertia, the like velocity of each other's pee streams when they were hitting each other. Like, that's so weird. <laughs> I don't know about all this, y'all. Do whatever you want. Okay, let me not kink shame. Let me not. So they're talking about, like, how Jesse's feeling, right? Jesse's been here for, like, 14 hours. Are you feeling anybody, Jesse? He's like, uh, uh, quick question, Kyle. Am I only supposed to hit on single girls? I mean, like, not your not your wife, obviously. So Kyle says, uh, I guess it depends on how much time you want to waste. Are you liking Paige? And he's like, yeah, that's kind of my jam. Jesse says in a confessional, there are so many girls out there that don't have boyfriends, but the best ones typically do. And I'm a killer. I like to get with girls. You know, like, I'm not Mr. Celia girl, but there's a cute girl and I'm going to go after her. (laughs) Summer should be fun. I'm having a great time. (laughs) I feel like I manifested and I like don't want to brag too much, but I do like I know what I know and I know my history. Okay, And, and Women's History Month. It's just apropos that I bring this up, right? Happy Scandifall anniversary, right? By the way, <laughs> happy happy anniversary <laughs> to to I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know who to um, the the Lyft driver. I don't know, maybe the Lyft driver. But um, so I just have been saying that what the summer house really needs is a plethora of himbos, like there. Bravo shows that are boy shows. Southern Charm, boy show. Vanderpump, boy show. Summer House, all boy shows. Boy shows, I mean that boys are kind of like, unfortunately, the the sun that we kind of have to orbit around. We have to orbit around their drama. And like the women are not second fiddle. I don't want to say that, but it's just like all roads end up leading back to the men, whether we want to or not. Usually we don't. With that being said, like, we need himbos. The summer house only thrives when there's a deep, deep himbo energy. And that's exactly what we're getting in West and Jesse Solomon. And I could not be happier. Like, I'm finally at peace after years. After years. Alex, God bless him. You know, the other ones. You know, the Italian one. Even, even he took a long time to sink in for me. But I'm really happy with West and Jesse. And I think, like, next summer we're going to have to get another one. You know? Keep them coming. I don't care. Anyway, Kyle's looking around to the party for his wife. Amanda's in the bathroom. I don't know. They keep pointing to this blue glass wall. I'm assuming it's a bathroom because it seems like the rest of it's in a closet. She's talking to Sierra and Paige. They're all in there together. Colin Kyle's so fucking annoying. He's always saying stupid shit. 
when she's doing all the other stuff, like he might be working and lover boying it up, but she's like, uh, all day it's like, Amanda, where are my charges? Where's my bag? Where's my underwear? Why don't you spend more time with me? And she's like, I love him, but like, let's just exist with each other. Stop complaining about me all the time. And I have to tell him, like, if you're so unhappy, then maybe you should just leave. So Paige says in a confessional, I think, like, Amanda, because she knows how much she's doing for him, Kyle doesn't think she's ready to have a baby. It just kind of feels like a knife in her stomach, right? Like, I also, I have to say, like, shout out to Paige's confessional look at this point. She's getting, it's like silver. She's got this, like, deep uh, part, kind of, like, under the chin cut situation that was like Jackie Kennedy goes to the Renaissance tour. I was really into it. She says, if Craig even tried to imply, if I wanted to have kids, that I was not ready to have kids, I'd be like, I'm raising you. It's a full-time job. It is very hard to take care of a grown man baby, you know? So the party kind of winds down. Sierra's making herself like a, you know, a post-party quesadilla The kitchen starts getting smoky because, you know, Danielle's always trying to keep it going. She's trying to create some sort of uh, secret club in the house called Club Send It. Just let her do it, you know. So she starts up the fog machine. Somebody asked Wes, oh, can you pull out your fan that you've been keeping in your room? Because he's been like Kathy Hilton having that box fan next to his bed. So we can like blow the air from this fog out. And he's so quick. He goes... Oh, do you need my biggest fan? And he points at Sierra and goes, she's right here. And everybody just laughs at him. And then Wes says in a confessional, honestly, it kind of seems like the only thing that Jesse Solomon has over me is that he's tall. Like, I got to sing going with Sierra. I'm actually vibing with everybody in this house. So, honestly, Jesse's got his work cut out for him. Of course, the night ends in the best summer house fashion with Kyle housing some tortilla chips alone. Just sitting by himself, talking to himself. Get that man a Tocito sponsorship. Like, what's going on here? You know? I mean, maybe it's not a great brand synergy that he's, like, 30% passed out and just, like, you know, Lord knows how many times they've had to scoop smashed, you know, half-chewed Tocitos out of his throat to make sure he doesn't choke. But, you know, still, I think we could clean it up. Get uh, Nima. Get Nima to do the spot. I think he could. So the next morning, Amanda's in bed. She's in a mood, right? The first thing she says, I want to go home. So Kyle says, okay, I just want to take a shower. But she's like on one. He's like, please just don't yell at me. So she tells him, stop doing that thing you do. Like you say, oh, I want to take a shower. But then you go downstairs and you like kiki with everybody. I want to go home. And if you're not ready by the time I want to go home, I'm riding with somebody else. So he's like, are you serious? He leaves Mumbles under his breath, asshole. And then he goes downstairs and he's like, what did I do to deserve this shit? Sierra is still joking around with Wes downstairs. And she's like, listen, he's really funny. I get it. I knew he's working it real hard, but I've had funny. And then their example of uh, her having a funny guy is Austin. Like, I know we don't have much to work with, but funny? I don't know about that girl. Um, so then... Kyle comes downstairs and everybody's immediately like, uh, what's wrong? Like, you could tell the vibe is off. He's like, well, Amanda's clearly pissed off at me. And he says in a confessional that this is kind of the vibe of, he tries to make it seem like this was like a long time ago, when I used to uh, go out and party and black out two two years ago. Yeah, we remember. Um, And then he would have some splaining to do, right? He's like, I feel like 
once Amanda knew that I had that conversation with Paige, she started looking at me crazy and getting pissed off. But she shouldn't be bad because I feel like I'm just talking to somebody who's ultimately in Amanda's corner anyway, so it kind of doesn't count. How do I feel about this? I have a feeling that people are not going to understand this. I'm not saying that it's healthy. I'm just saying it doesn't surprise me that they use Paige as a proxy or to download their feelings about their relationship. It's not really that surprising to me. Maybe I think it might be to other people, but it doesn't shock me. It really doesn't. Is it appropriate and mature at this point? They should probably be going to like therapy and not using Paige, you know, like if they have so much to talk about. But I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world. So Paige goes upstairs to check on Amanda and she starts getting choked up and basically says that what's happening is that he will just tell her all day that what she's doing is not enough, that she is hearing it from him and now he's telling other people she's tired of it. And it's just really annoying, and she can't deal with it anymore. So Kyle's downstairs with Danielle. She's talking about how, like, actually, I kind of feel like I've never had a better weekend than this one here. So Kyle's like, is everybody uh, coming back next week? Because it seems like Carl and Lindsay are going to be here. Danielle says in a confessional, she's been working really hard on trying to get her confidence back. And now two of the people who kind of made her summer suck last year, I don't know if made it I think maybe they were a party to it I don't know if they forced this situation I feel like it was mostly you but that's okay um but you know what she's just trying to have fun your girl's single she's in the Hamptons she's not trying to like deal with this stuff right everybody starts cleaning up cleaning up from the party in the pack Wes and Sierra are still making eyes at each other. She's telling the girl she's lying. Oh, I don't think, you know, he's not creeping in on me. He's funny, but, like, he's not making any ins with me, right? So then Wes and Kyle are talking about how he's feeling like Sierra. He's feeling her, but he's also playing it cool. They're having such a bro conversation. Like, you know, I'm just going to plant the seed in the first weekend. So, so the seed, cultivate it, nurture it, right? Give it some sun, give it some vitamin D. Vitamin D. Ugh, boys. Gabby's passed out in the foyer. Not helping. She's just asleep, just resting away <laughs> on the bench in the foyer. So Danielle scares her awake. And she says in the confessional, like, her dynamic with the other girls, like the girls that are currently in this house, is a little bit shaky. Clearly, she's really only been friends with, like, Sam and Lindsay since the last season wrapped up. But now they're all forming connections. But now she's like, her head's spinning. We love a spiral. She's having such a good weekend. Everybody's having such a great time. What's going to happen next weekend when Carl and Lindsay join the house, right? So back in the city, Carl's like hooping it up poorly. But, you know, we love somebody who tries. So Lindsay pulls up with some waters. They start talking about next summer. And, my God, I just like cannot believe that we're here, here at episode two. Like, it was evident to me. Honestly, like two years ago, that's okay. We'll move on. But as far as like the show dropping hints that these people should have never been together, I cannot believe we got a fucking atom bomb in episode two. <laughs> and y'all were like, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see what's happening. <laughs> and now 98% of us are like, well, now we get it. Now we get it, Carl. Now we get it. 
So this is where it starts, right? They're talking about the summer. And he says, and I told y'all this last summer, that as soon as they did this Watch What Happens Live episode, it was the truly most annoying game that they've ever had on that show where they, Lindsay and Carl were the guests and they had to answer questions and they had this like Lindsay just saying this uh, sound clip of Lindsay saying babe, 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 babe over and over again. They had to answer the questions and it, the babes just kept getting faster <laughs> and you could tell <laughs> that it, like in that moment in real time, Carl was like dying inside. It's like, I don't want to call her babe on television anymore. Like I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I've never seen anybody like get embarrassed in real time on live television. It was really an incredible thing. So he says to her, uh, you know, I'm just going to go into the suburb. I'm not going to call you babe. I'm just going to say, dude. Now, at this point, I had to time out and say, y'all might as well just broken up right at this bench. Because here's my theory. I, I've been working on a theory. Y'all can let me know if I'm if I'm wrong or not. But I feel like one of the greatest signs to know if a guy has what I called like desexualized you, meaning like maybe y'all fucked, maybe you guys had some sort of thing, sexual tension before, but now it's over, like never gonna happen. This is how you know if the guy is not gonna fuck you. If he gives you a like pretty masculine nickname, when he says, I'm just going to call you dude, I would die inside. I would just be like, I'm going to give you the ring back right now. Because here's another example from Summer House, in fact. Remember that time when like Luke and Hannah came back? This was maybe the 2020 season where Hannah will like really jumped out the window and like lost her damn mind about Luke and was like, coming into the house thinking they were going to have this full-on, passionate summer romance. And he came in the house with Sierra and started calling her burn dog. <laughs> and I knew in that moment, he starts calling you burn dog. Girl, he does not even want to go anywhere near your vagina. It's like, it's over. It's over. And I'm so sorry. So when he says, I'm just going to call you dudes this summer, ring off. That would have been over for me. So anyway, Lindsay hears this and she's like, do you really care what people think? Like, don't you call me babe at home? Does it really matter to you what people think about that? And he's like, and I was just making a joke and it didn't work. She goes, no, it didn't work. <laughs> so then she's like, well, I'm excited to go to the Hamptons, you know, because <laughs> like wedding planning is like, you know how like things are going up and down. There's like peaks and valleys and lulls and stuff. And he's like, I, I guess like I don't. I've never planned a wedding before. I don't know, but I guess it does seem like a low point at this point, but things are going to really ratchet up pretty soon here. <laughs> Jesus. So then Lindsay's like, you know, it's the last summer before we get married. And like, who knows? Maybe next summer I'll be pregnant. So I feel like this is a perfect summer to enjoy ourselves. And Carl's just... They just have the camera on Carl, and he's not looking at her. He's just looking at the concrete. <sighs> uh <-huh. laughs> so then Carl says in a confessional, Lindsay and I are in a good place, but like most couples, you know, we have our shit. And he says, listen, I think we've been dead set on getting to this wedding day. I mean, we're excited, but it's been incredibly stressful. I just want to come into the summer and let loose. And I mean, listen, I'm kind of finally coming into my own as a sober person and how I communicate and I feel, is it going to be a new Carl? No, but it's going to be a Carl with more confidence. And 
<laughs> you know who liked to hear that, didn't you? It was me. Anyway, so he says, you know, I'm just hoping this is going to be a light summer because last summer was kind of fucked. She's like, yeah, it was one of the worst summers. She's like, yeah, you know, it was the worst, except for when you propose. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> so then she's like, I'm hoping to be in a much better place than Danielle. And he's like, listen, I hope that too, but I do think that Danielle's going to have to work on the relationship as well. I don't want you to get hurt again. So Lindsay says in a confessional that she feels like she's in a good place with Danielle, but they also need to have some different boundaries going into it. She is invited to the wedding, but they have like 10 days before the booking deadline closes and she's not responded yet. So they're like, listen, in a perfect world, it would be great for her to come, but that's totally up to her. Back in the city, we see a scene of Sierra getting back into modeling. It's kind of a throwaway, but I also thought, had we ever really seen Sierra, like, doing stuff? Like, I feel like we don't really see, like, her back in the city unless she's having scenes with Paige or, like, things like that. I don't think we've really seen much of her alone. Like, we see Paige doing her Amazon stuff and, you know, Kyle's in his standing desk and you know, Amanda's on the couch, you know, and stuff. But we don't really see much of her. And I thought it was refreshing, even though it was kind of a throwaway. Then we see Kyle and Amanda have lunch with each other. And they just, I mean, I don't want to, like, belabor the process because they're just talking at each other. And they're just trying to make the same point. And they just keep saying the same thing to each other, just ping-ponging it back and forth. So basically, Amanda's saying... I'm really tired of the fact that you're always talking about how I'm not doing things that are good enough. It makes me really sad. Kyle's saying, I'm feeling very frustrated. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I want you to help me more and take some of the load off for me. But you're not doing that. And she's like, she's not doing it. So she says in a confessional, Kyle's a workaholic. I will never work as much as him. Like, he translates that as I'm dropping the ball in other parts of my life because I'm not up like him at three o'clock sending emails like fair enough I think that these people really have to figure this out because I mean this working work-life balancing isn't working but I also wonder I don't know I don't know like I don't I don't know I have feelings about them that I, I would need to work out, and I think maybe I'll complete them next week. How about that? I'll promise that. So we'll see. More on that later, right? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
basically, they're like, you know, they decide we want to have a better relationship. We're tr- going to try to communicate better with each other. Amanda, if I have an issue with you, I'm going to try to address it in the moment rather than letting it fester and then build up and explode on you. And, you know, I want to have kids. I want you to be the woman that I have kids with. I don't want you to feel sad or depressed, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we'll see. So next weekend, they have to bring the dogs. One of the house, one of the dogs has like an eye infection or whatever, whatever. They're just like cute, cute little side characters. They're no Milo, I have to say. They're no Milo from Summer House Martha's Vineyard, but I won't pit them together. But they're not. So they're talking about how, like, Wes is feeling Sierra, and uh, Jesse's telling Wes, like, oh, yeah, I think Paige is a homie, but, you know, I'm just looking to be friends with everybody in the house. If something else happens, and like, cool, right? In the house, (laughs) I have to admit, the Paige did kind of get me with this, because this is, like, this is sort of how my mind works. She just looks over at Kyle, and she goes, can I ask you a question? Um, does Amanda ever pull the mullet when you guys are in bed or does she just not acknowledge it? (laughs) He says, honestly, this is like the first time I've ever thought about my mullet in a sexual way, to be honest. So they asked Paige, how many times do you think about Kyle and Amanda having sex? And she's like, I don't know, historically, probably like four times. But the mullet thing, I've been thinking about it all morning. I'm going to be honest with you. So they asked Danielle again, like, how are you feeling about Carl and Lindsay coming into the house? She's like, I'm, yeah. she keeps saying, like, I'm fine, right? I'm not going to walk on eggshells. I had a whole lot of fun the first weekend. I'm just trying to keep those good things going. So Carl and Lindsay arrive with Gabby. Lindsay's very much on the outside looking in. All the girls are getting together. She's just kind of sitting by herself Carl's confident Carl. He's going to be on the grill. He's, you know, very happy to be with other people. That's clear. (laughs) And she's just kind of looking. Y'all, did we see this clip? Maybe this was the extended Peacock version that I didn't watch, but there was a clip that they played from last season's reunion where Paige and Lindsay are really getting into it. And Lindsay's calling Paige, you're the most pathetic fighter I've ever seen like you're always talking behind my back you can't handle it and Paige is like yeah I talk behind your back because you're fucking crazy <laughs> I don't remember that part I don't remember it getting that spicy so Lindsay's like listen I I feel a little uncomfortable I've got my anxiety I'm just really hoping there's no conflict this summer because Carl hates conflict oh, okay okay then it gets like fucking weird because they're all in the kitchen and West is being very nice to Lindsay and by extension, Carl, by telling Lindsay, I know, you know, you guys probably want the same room that you had last year. There's two of you. I'm happy to give up that room if you want. I just want the fan. If you don't mind, that's like my kind of my non-negotiable. She's like, why is it hot in there? And he's like, listen, it's a little hot. But if you want to check out the room, like and check the temperature out, like go ahead. She's like, well, I'm very I've been in this house many years. Like, I know what it's like. I know what that room's like. And all of a sudden, like, the tone just shifts because everybody's having such a great time. And then she's just like, I know what it's like. I know this house. So she goes into the room. As West is moving his stuff out very nicely, she's moving her stuff in. And Carl comes in and is like, yo, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. She's doing the surfer hand, like, good vibes or whatever that hand movement means. Like, I'm fine. Carl says in a confessional, I totally understand that she might feel some type of way walking into a situation where the girls 
don't really get along with her, but I'm hoping that we can have a much better summer than last one because we all know what happened, you know? And then Kyle checks in on Danielle. How are you feeling? <laughs> we don't have to have this conversation. She's fine, okay? For the fifth time, she's fine. She's nervous about Lindsay, but mostly she's okay, all right? We get it. So everybody sits down for dinner, and Paige asks the new guys for a fun fact about themselves that nobody at the table would know. So Wes goes, and he tells them, oh, me and my parents, we visited all 50 states. And Jesse says, I am a two-time testicular cancer survivor. Well, he had testicular cancer the first time. He got, he's a one-nut warrior, as he puts it. The first time he says, like, in a confessional, it was kind of weird. Like, I didn't feel like a cancer survivor because, yeah, I had surgery, but it wasn't like I didn't have to go through it. But then the cancer spread to his stomach. He had to go through chemo and all that. And he's telling them, I'm hoping you guys will be with me this August. I get my checkup. I'm hoping I'm going to be five years cancer free. <laughs> it's like it's really heartwarming. He's talking about his journey, his family helping him, like, go to the bathroom and, like, how humbling that is and how it was kind of one of the best things that's ever happened to him. And then West looks over and he goes, can you imagine if I had gone second? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this guy had cancer two times. And I'm like, oh, um, I've been to 50 states. Cool. <laughs> I love him. So after that, the spirits are like super high. Everybody decides to go out. So they order some like Ubers, right? And then it's like, moody music it's 1 a.m one hour after everybody left gabby's coming back with Lindsay, and Lindsay's saying i don't even want to be around him gabby's like you don't have to and then Lindsay says this is why i do as much as i can not to be around him <gasps> so then they do a little rewind Lindsay says in a confessional i took a lift with the boys and then carl says that in the car, Lindsay had made some comment about how, because the cars, they w took two cars, the girls went in one car, she went in the one with Carl and the rest of the guys, Jesse and Kyle. And so she made some comment to Carl about like, oh, I bet this is going to like come back to bite me on the ass, right? And Carl says what he told her was, I hear what you're saying, but don't worry about it. It's not that deep. But Lindsay says that Carl completely shut her down and dismissed her feelings altogether. And then Carl comes back and says that at that point, Lindsay got right in his face and squinted and goes, what are you on? And he was like, nothing. Kyle says, I can't even put into words how quickly Lindsay went to zero from 100, from one, zero to 100. She immediately starts freaking out. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a grain of salt. In the interest of fairness and, and Women's History Month, because Kyle does have a tendency to like take things that Lindsay does and like exaggerate them. However, Jesse Solomon was also in that car, and he says that the shit with Lindsay just precipitated out of nowhere. So then we see footage of them in the club. Everybody's having fun. Gabby's saying in a confessional, they get there. Lindsay's already upset. She's like, "I want to leave." Gabby's like, "Can I get a drink first or?" What's going on? And Amanda says in a confessional, Lindsay was visibly upset. And she was like, what's going on? And then she looks over at her phone. And she goes, I actually took notes of what happened. <laughs> and the producer goes, no, you didn't. She goes, no, like, I really, I get so drunk. My memory gets so bad. So here's what she said. 
he's on something. He's so mean to me. I can't do this. I think he's on something. Oh, my God. So back at the house, Gabby says to Lindsay, I fully agree with you guys spending time together, but I also believe in fierce independence. And Lindsay's like, yeah, I believe in fierce independence because that's who I am. So Gabby says to Lindsay, Carl needs to figure his shit out and, like, how to manage his feelings. Lindsay starts crying, and it's like, Gabby, something's going on with him. And Gabby's like, what do you mean? Is it like he's being an asshole, or is it like what? She's like, no, the way he spoke to me, it was like very reminiscent of Carl on cocaine. I don't know what happened with him, but he was not sober tonight. And Gabby's like, oh. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And then they go into Gabby's room, because Lindsay's going to sleep with her, and she says to her, something is wrong with Carl. The way he's speaking to me, he was like cocaine Carl tonight. So Gabby calls Carl just to check in on him. Like, you good? He's like, yeah, are you guys home? We're on the way back. Like, we'll be home in 10 minutes. So Lindsay says, I hate him. He's such a fucking piece of shit. Gabby says, that sounded like a sober man to me. (laughs) So then she's like, oh, look, now he's texting me. So he texts Lindsay, Happy to have the same conversation we had tonight, tomorrow morning. Perhaps a good night's sleep will allow us to listen to each other and have a conversation about what you experienced and what my experience was. So Lindsay responds, let me know when you're sober. And Carl says, I am sober right now, Lindsay. You're not, period. And Lindsay goes, now, sure. Before, no. You were awful to me. You were so mean to me. So now it's 2 a.m., 2.19. Everybody's coming back. Carl gets into his own bed, and he says in a confessional, my heart's racing as I say this, like I'm shaking from it. It's beyond hurtful and fucked up, and this is a person I'm supposed to marry? Like, it pains me deep down that accusation or insinuation that I'm on something that kills me. One thing about Amanda and Kyle is that they're going to bond over their dislike of Lindsay. So now they're sitting in the bed. Watch the scene, and then look at a picture of two otters in love holding hands, they're face-to-face with each other. That's how they were laying up in bed with each other. They've never been closer, having the most intimate moment. Mon's nowhere to be found. He's not, he's not going to be in the middle of the bed tonight, okay? <laughs> they're just like, I cannot believe Lindsay. She is so awful. She was so awful. And then Amanda says that she was the one who told Carl that Lindsay was accusing him of being on drugs. So then Amanda says in a confessional, Lindsay, what Lindsay said to a sober person is hurtful enough, but this is a person you're supposed to be marrying in a couple of months? That is the most fucked up accusation to make. Woo! Meanwhile, Wes and Sierra could not give a goddamn. They're having, like, a fucking lovely, lovely romantic moment. They're getting real close to each other. So close to you. Real close. Like, Daniel Staub. Remember that song? There, he's like, you smell like apples and honey in a good way. (laughs) What would the bad way be? Like Pruno? (laughs) You smell like Pruno, baby. You smell like that, you know, like those government apples that they give prisoners and that they make and they ferment and they keep in those bags for months. And then sometimes you get a little honey. That's what you smell like, baby. (laughs) Smell like Pruno. So she tells him, like, they're about to click kiss, right? But he, she backs up and she's like, go to bed, West. Like, but I, I will be dreaming of you. So the next morning, very interesting chess moves played by both Lindsay and then Carl. I thought this was 
incredible work by Carl. He caught that shit so quickly, so quick. And and shout out to y'all for also catching it, because I'm like, did y'all see that? Because I did. So the next morning, Lindsay comes back into the room, right? She's got two bottles of water, and she hands him a bottle of water, and he goes, I don't want any water right now. Like, he's being very polite. Like, I don't want any water right now, but thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll have some later. So she goes, oh, you're not having water right now? Why don't you just say thank you? Like, well, that's so weird that you said, oh, I'm not having water right now. Why don't you just say thank you? And he says, I did. <laughs> Y'all, I think he was, she was trying to, like, be like, oh, you need water this morning? You must. You must be hungover right now or whatever you were on, right? And he caught that. And like, I'm not going to be drinking your water, ma'am. I'm fine because I'm sober. I don't need water because I'm sober. And I have been for years now. So then she gets into bed. And she's like, um, you were treating me like shit last night. And he goes, no, I wasn't. I'm sorry you felt that way. Stop saying I'm sorry you felt that way. And he goes, but I am. And I really think that there was something else going on last night that had nothing to do with me, Lindsay. So then Lindsay accuses him of taking his feelings out on her. And he says, that's not what happened. The issue started in the car. I was trying to talk to you, but you shut me down. This is impossible. So she's like, well, we're going to have the worst weekend ever now. And he's like, yeah, you decided that. No, you decided that because you can't listen. We just pack up and leave. Girl goes, fine, if that's what makes you happy, let's do it. Let's do it. So she tells him, stop acting like some sort of like, I'm trying to do this. When you didn't do shit, you're incapable of understanding my experience. And he goes, yeah, I am. Yep. I'm a terrible person. So Lindsay goes, oh, okay. Okay. Do you, do you have a, what's going on with you? She goes, I can't have an opinion on how you spoke to me last night. And he goes, I can't have an opinion on how you behave towards me. So she tells him to stop being angry. <laughs> he goes, I'm not. You're the one who drank all night. Now you woke up angry. And Lindsay goes, you're the one who's clearly doing other things. So then she pulls out her phone and goes, why did you say I'm sober right now? And he goes, because, dude, I'm fucking sober. Why did you say right now, though? Because you had been drinking all day. And then she tells him, stop screaming. Now, he's, I would say he's got some bass in his chest, but he's not screaming. I would barely even say he's raised his voice, frankly. She tells him, stop screaming. He goes, I'm allowed to be upset. Have you ever heard of emotions? (laughs) Oops. (laughs) He goes, get pissed off. Do whatever the fuck you want, okay? So she tells him, you're screaming. And he goes, I'm not. I'm frustrated. So he's like, I'm going on a run. So he leaves. And that was basically the end of the episode. I, y'all, what the fuck? That is brazy. That's not even crazy. That's brazy, dog. Like, woo. Woo. I would have been the fuck pissed. I would have been so pissed. I would have been so pissed. And nothing about his behavior was giving anything. Now, which brings me back to Watch What Happens Live. Because Danielle has been pretty Team Lindsay since his whole breakup thing. But Andy asked her, do you think that there's a possibility that you might see something this season that might change your mind on Lindsay being completely blindsided or, you know, Carl being completely at fault? And she's like, yeah, totally. And she says this scene of them the next morning was actually pretty eye-opening for her. I... (laughs) This is really wild. This is so wild. This was such a misstep on Lindsay's 
part what I'm confused about is why she was so confident in saying that. Like, I don't understand. It's very odd to me. Very odd. I I really don't get it. I get it even less now that she has issued this Instagram story apology, kind of. So what she wrote is, after watching back this week's episode, I wish I had used better wording. I was emotional and hurt by what had transpired earlier in the night, and what I said was meant to be a private conversation at home with one of my best girlfriends. I've never questioned his sobriety before this moment, and from day one, I was his biggest supporter. I've always been transparent on the show about my feelings, and I've leaned on my friends for support, and that was my only intention here. Girl, for you to say... What I said was meant to be a private conversation at home with one of my best girlfriends. Ma'am, you're not at home. You're in the summer house. And in the summer house, you're mic'd up. And in the summer house, there are cameras in the corners of every room, including your bedroom, including Gabby's bedroom, including the kitchen where you said most of this shit. (laughs) And you know that. Remember, I've been in this house several years. So I know. I'm familiar. That was so loud and so wrong and it's just like crazy like there's just no other word for it like I cannot believe it I can't like at this point I'm like let's pull out the long form receipts on her actually being in public relations because I mean even if she was doing PR for like you know the food and beverage industry don't you have like a cursory knowledge of how to like smooth things over and and issue a statement, babe. You didn't even say you're sorry. The closest you got to sorry was I've never questioned his sobriety before this moment, which, (laughs) okay, that doesn't mean anything, but you were real loud about it now. So it doesn't really matter that you waited a year or something into your relationship to say something. Thank you for saying that you never suspected that he was sober or not sober leading up to this point, but you still questioned his sobriety, and that's the problem. It doesn't really matter that... I mean, nothing nothing of what she said in the Instagram story matters, girl. This is wild to me. This is wild. Maybe this is why she changed her occupation to influencer, because PR. <laughs> I mean, in what world? <laughs> you know? What, what is this? This isn't even empathy. This is not even basic empathy. This is giving, like, Tom Sandoval's apology to Ariana. And where how he was like, I'm so sorry to my businesses and Top Schwartz and the fans and Rachel. And then, oh, also to Ariana, remember? <laughs> like, crazy. This is so wild. This is like, I, I don't know how Lindsay comes back from this. Not, I don't want to be like an alarmist and be like, oh, you know, but like, I also, I just, it's such a dick move. Like, how do you come back from this? I don't know. I don't know, girl. <laughs> I guess we'll find out watch what happens bitch all right y'all thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking love you bye